Habibi Fahodiyeh, Hotep. Hopefully everyone is doing great. Today is January 24, 2021. I am your host, Bob M. Hotep. Welcome to another episode of Urban Philosophy, where we are always clear and direct. January 24th, the beginning of the new year. I'm excited, I'm happy. Um, I missed my podcast for December 2020, but I know I had to come back today and talk to the people at the top of the year. And as I look out into the world, as I look out into the black community, African community, as I watch African children, I wonder, I wonder what's going to become of us as a people where are we going where are we heading what is the outcome going to be and I ask those questions primarily because I'm focusing on two no three essential things that's going to determine the outcomes to those questions the first thing the state of black children the second thing the state of black relationships. The third thing, the state of black families. So today, at the top of the year, I'm going to give, offer, present an urban philosophical perspective on the black child, the black family, and black relationships. I want to start with the black child because the black child is essential. Um, Black children are instrumental. And about two podcasts back, I mentioned how black children are our eternity. I'll say that again. Black children are our eternity. I don't like to say they are they are our future because we are standing within our future and we are also standing within eternity. Eternity is not a place reached. Eternity is where we are at now. However, in order for us to perpetuate our existence within eternity requires the productive and progressive and positive development of black children. If black children are neglected, if black children are destroyed, if black children are not effectively developed, then the black race does not perpetuate, cannot and will not perpetuate itself within eternity. We eventually would cease to exist. And some may say, nah, brother M. Hotel. Bah, but that's a little too harsh. Um, we're always going to be here. Um, we will never cease to exist. We're always going to survive. Let me clarify. To survive is no indication that you are living. To survive is not tantamount to living. To survive doesn't mean that you are thriving. To survive doesn't mean that you are evolving. To survive is not enough. So yes, I do agree for those who may say we will always be here, we will survive. I agree with that. But we must do more than survive as a people. We must thrive. 
And in order for us to thrive, the black child must be developed. The black child must be imperative. The black child must be paramount. The black child must be thought about. We must do more for our children. We must invest more into the minds of our children. It's not enough to keep on buying our children all these video games. They're not serving the purpose. It's not enough to make sure our children got the latest fashion. It does not develop them. It's not enough for our children to know how to play sports. That's not enough. It does nothing for their overall development and preparation to assume leadership of the black race. It doesn't add, it doesn't help in that regard. We must think differently about what we are going to do for black children. Without the black child, without the black, without black children, we do not, I repeat, we do not perpetuate through eternity. So the black child must be developed. So, what does that look like? Because a lot of times people might say, well, I hear you, Baba, you're saying we need to do this, that, or the other. But what does that look like? What does development look like? This is what I would say. This is my perspective. And I, don't, I speak this perspective from experience and research and study. I'm the father of five children, four grandchildren. I don't believe that parents should negotiate with toddlers and babies. A three-year-old has no clue, no genuine, no sincere, no informed clue as to what's best for his or her overall psychological and spiritual development. That's your responsibility, mother or father. You should know that. You should know the best foods to feed your child. Not asking your child, do you want McDonald's, Olive Garden, or Burger King? You are contributing to the destruction of the child. Your ignorance is conducive. It makes you complicit to the destruction of the child. Sidebar, part of parenting is ongoing learning and development. Part of parenting is ongoing learning and development. What makes you a parent is the ability and the capacity to develop another life. Not to just bring the life to the world, but to develop the life in a productive and a, in a positive capacity. To put the child in a position to thrive, to evolve, to develop, to be contributory to the sovereignty of African people. That's what makes you a parent. In the final analysis, back on task. Do not negotiate with a three-year-old. Know what's best for your child. Do not allow your child to tell you what he or she is going to do. You make the rules. Stand by the rules. Do not allow your child to move and do what he or she wants to do whenever he or she wants to do it. No. Set standards. Establish boundaries. Set up routines. Stick to that. Now, it requires discipline on your part to do those things. That's the reason why I said that parenting is about ongoing learning and development. Develop your discipline so you can implement discipline to your children. By discipline, I do not mean punishment. By discipline, I do not mean punishment. Punishment is something totally separate from discipline. I do not believe that you would have to to punish your child in the sense of something punitive 
if you instill discipline early on. If you rear your child in such a way that you instilled in your child the morality, integrity, gratitude, you know, um, love of self, love of people, culture, put culture in your child, put history in your child, um, introduce your child to the ancestors, introduce your child to the Nettaru, the Abusun, the Orishas early on, introduce your child to our supreme divinity, whether that's Oludamare, whether that's Chukwu and Wari, whether that's Patar, Ra, introduce them to ours. Black children, African children should know as much as possible about what it means to be an African child, a black child. Do not allow your child to walk around in the world ignorant about who he or she is. You are failing your child if you do so. And if you don't know, then you must have enough sense as a parent to point your child in the proper direction so he or she can get the necessary knowledge that will allow him or her to develop to his or her fullest capacity. That's a part of your responsibility as being the parent. So black children are crucial, are crucial to African people. The black family and the relationship to the black child. To a great extent, our black children are an expression and an extension of the family wherein they was raised and reared. I'll say that again. To a great extent, our black children are an expression and an extension of the family wherein they was raised and reared. If the family is chaotic, if the family is backwards, if the family is ignorant, if the family is off-center, then you most definitely are going to produce and raise up a child that's off-center. Every now and then you have those rare situations where a child can be raised in all of that and he or she go on to become something great. That's rare. The majority of the children that are introduced to that level of destruction are shortcutted in their development. So the family have to get together. So what is the family? I'm going to give you a brief definition. Something you can just write down or listen to and you can get it. The African family, the black family, can be defined as such. As a social unit that's tasked with the primary responsibility of protecting and productively developing its children, its membership. That's the family. The family in and of itself is an entity. It's an institution. It's the first institution that you and your children are introduced to the family. The family should be regulated. The family should have its philosophy. The family should have rules and regulations. The family should have protocol. The family should have leadership. And all of these things should be inculcated into each and every child that's born into the family. Children should behave in accordance with the regulations of the family. Why? That provides them with structure. Why? That's where they're going to get their sense of morality in the family. Why? They're going to get their greatest sense of right or wrong or rather inappropriate and appropriate from the family. They're going to get respect and disrespect within the family. They're going to get loyalty within the family. They're going to get culture and history within the family. So if you don't have these things inside the family, you can't put these things inside the children. And then the children goes into society and interact with other children who do not have these things. And what do you have? You have chaos. That's the reason why when we look into the community, into the black communities, inside inner cities, we see a lot of chaos. Because most of the chaos is being perpetuated by broken children that's trying to figure out life on broken terms. It's not working. It's not working. 
Young girls who do not have fathers are looking for fathers inside men. Young boys who do not have fathers are trying to figure out how to be a man and they're doing it all wrong. Young boys who do not have a relationship with their mothers do not know how to treat what? The women or the girls they come in contact with. Why? Because they're coming outside these homes. So we're coming out of homes that have been myophatized. We're coming out of homes that have been perpetually bombarded with destruction from the larger white dominant society. Right? Dominant only in the sense. Dominant only in the sense that they have successfully imposed their way upon the black family. That's it. You know, we are attempting to raise children according to what society says is the standard, which is white standards. We're trying to build these nuclear families, which is a white state. It does not work for us. We're cutting people out. We're not allowing the grandparents to be involved anymore. We're not allowing the great uncles and the great aunts to be involved. We're blocking everything. We're saying, when I made him, he's my son. He's my daughter. This is my daughter. We're saying things like that and cutting the children off from the wisdom of the family. The wisdom is the older people in the family. The grandmother, the grandfather, the great uncle, the great aunt. That's the wisdom. And when you cut children off from wisdom, what do they have? What experiences do they have to get wise from? How they grow up if you're not linking them into that? So the family is crucial. And you do not, under any circumstances, throw family away. Now, I'm not talking about these broken social arrangements that we have. Let me be clear, because a lot of times we take these words and we think that the word means everything. But by family, I mean something that's in, something that's together for the most part. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I'm not talking about these broken situations. I am saying that within the families that we got a lot of work to do inside our families and we got to understand that the families has to be something that we pull into. We got to develop the family and every and all of the adults of the family are charged with the responsibilities of protecting and developing the family. It's not just mom, mother and father. It's everyone. If you're an older brother, an older sister, you're an uncle. You, all of you, all of us have the responsibility of protecting and developing the family. Keeping the family together. Understanding the importance of family gatherings. Everybody got to want that. We can't view family gatherings as something that's a burden. We can't dislike coming together. If there are issues inside the family, then grow up and talk to that individual and work those issues out. Don't be like, well, I'm not going to this because so-and-so going to be there. That's destroying the family. Because if you don't go, then you're not taking your son or your daughter. So they've been cut off from other family members. We cannot continue to do that. If there's an issue, if there's a discrepancy, if there's some type of um, something that's going on between you and a cousin, you and a sister, you and a brother, you and an uncle, you and an aunt, right? Be man, be woman, be adult enough, be mature enough to call that person up and say, listen, hey, I think you and I need to have a sit down. Why what's going on? There's some things I just think I need to have a conversation with you about, you know, so, so we can move forward better as families, families, right? Have those conversations. Let's stop running from the responsibility of conflict resolution. Let's engage it. If we don't engage it, we're not going to build good families, black man and black woman. Family is important. If our families are not together the correct way, then our children are not going to be together the correct way. And what, and what builds a strong family? Like in, in this context from which I'm talking about, it takes us right back to the, the next thing. The black relationship between the black man and the black woman. Because it's our responsibility to get in relationship and get married and build families. 
So the so the family is only as strong as the unit that produced the family. The first black man and the first black woman that came together. The work that they put in to, to construct the family. So our relationships has to be solid. Our relationships have to be cultural. Our relationships have to be grounded and centered. We, our relationships have to be the same ideally and conceptually. We have to understand this concept of love the same. We have to understand the nature of our coming together the same. We have to understand that our coming together isn't solely about us. It's about something bigger and greater than us. That we come together to bring together, in most most cases, to bring together families or communities. That our coming together is to enhance, is to augment who we are. Right? That's why we come together. So we can be accountable in the presence of other people. That's why we come together. So other older men can assess me as a younger man to hold me to the task of doing what's right by the men in this family. That's why we come together. And for other women to hold my wife or, or, or my lady to task to be the lady that's in alignment with the women in this family. So that's why you come together. Not so, we don't, it's, our relationship is not to be so separate and privatized. No, our relationships are communal and public. Public in the sense that that the people that matter in our lives are involved. That's what I mean by public. I'm not saying that everything that goes on in your bed when you air it out. And I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that in the in the in the truest sense of the word of community and family, there has to be a degree of the relationship that's relinquished over to the other people that you are in alignment with. Because if you do not relinquish a degree of that relationship, the sovereignty of that relationship, if you don't um relinquish it. Those people are going to have to deal with it anyway because if it goes sour, it's going to impact those people. So it makes better sense to bring the wise people into the process before the process itself runs a destructive course. It makes wise sense to have the older, more successful people in your families that are in relationships to have them involved. It makes better sense to have those meetings with those people that you say you look up to, that you say you love, that have been in relationships successfully for 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 years that, that have been married, right? Why not bring them in and get some guidance so you can meet the same feet, so you can do the same thing? No, we want to try to do it all by ourselves from watching TV. We watch all this TV and read all these novels and we think we understand what it means to be together in a relationship and then we're struggling. No. That doesn't make any sense. So if the relationship is not any good, then the family going to struggle. If the family struggles and you bring children into the family, then the children going to struggle. The relationship has to be something that you you um you honor your relationship. You honor your mate, whether it's male or female, you honor her or him. You you hold him or her in high regard. You love him or her, but you love them in a way that's expressive behaviorally. You know what I'm saying it's behavioral that matters most. You treat her a specific way, you treat him a specific way, you talk to her a specific way, you talk to him a specific way, you treat and talk to people in ways that empower, that uplift, that inspires, that motivates you, supports them. That's what the relationship is principally about. It's about ex exercising my in the relationship, reciprocity, balance, harmony, justice. These things should be within the relationship, truth, 
balance should be in the relationship. Now, I'm not saying that these things are going to spring up all at once. No, you work on that. You move through struggle to produce my yacht. Listen, you move through struggle to produce my yacht, to give birth to my yacht within the relationship. Your love is tested and forged through your struggles. Now, I'm not speaking about brutality. I'm not talking about domestic violence. I'm not talking about that. That's something totally different. I'm saying that the impasses, the natural and expected impasses that occur within the relationships, within the process of two people coming to know one another. I am saying that struggle, how you handle and move through that struggle is what forges and produces the love. And when the love is produced the correct way, then the love becomes the strength that allows you continued success in terms of how you push through successive struggles. In time, Mayat begins to manifest itself within the relationship. And once Mayat has set itself in the relationship, a lot of the initial struggles that you had in the beginning, you no longer have. You just have those newer struggles that are naturally lying in wait based on a natural process of moving through life. But as long as you got my eye, you can always be able to move through those, those struggles easily. Value the relationship. Don't get with someone and you meet a few impasses that, ah, oh, man, this ain't what I expected and I'm out of this. And do you throw him away or throw her away? That's not what it's about. You know, don't go into a relationship expecting someone to give you something that you should already have when you came into the relationship. Don't expect me to give you love. You should have came to it with your own degree of self-love. Don't expect me to give you happiness. You should have came to the relationship with your own degree of self-happiness. Allow me to add to it and enhance it, augment it if so, but don't expect me to give it to you. And then start saying, he don't make me happy. Damn, you should have been happy before you got with me. And vice versa. You know, you should already have been doing some work on yourself. So you come to the relationship to be in a partnership, but you're saying, this is what I can bring to it. Don't come to the relationship with a bunch of deficits and want me to give it all to you. And then when I don't give you everything you think you, you, you need to get, then you run away and say, well, he ain't doing this or she ain't doing that. No, that's your issue. Because you know what? You're going to go to another relationship and have the same problems until you sit your butt down and look at yourself and get yourself together. You're always going to struggle inside relationships. Don't expect me to give you that those things. I should meet you where you at. Because it's about trying to be what? Compliments. It's about us trying to do what? To, to help each other reach a place of wholeness. So in order for that to happen, you got to already have parts. You got to already have part of what you expect me to bring. You expect me to give you 100% happiness? 100% love? And you ain't coming on the degree of self-love? That's hard to do. That's hard to it's hard for one it's hard for a person to give the other person 100% of love and you ain't got none of that. Let me, let me clarify that. Now I'm not saying I shouldn't love in 100%. I'm not saying that. My love for you should be 100% consistently, no doubt. What I'm saying is that don't expect me to give you love in the sense that you love yourself. I am saying that you should already come through the relationship with some degree of self-love and then whatever I bring in my 100% of being 100% man to you, it only helps you to augment what you already have. You should not come to a relationship in a total deficit because you already have set yourself up for failure. 
And that's what most of us do. We get into relationships and we're in a total deficit. An emotional deficit, a financial deficit, a, a mental deficit, a spiritual deficit. And we want to be in a relationship. You're not fit for a relationship. If you're walking 100% deficit, you're not fit for a relationship. It's going to be problematic. Think about that. Eat that bullet right there, black man and black woman. Because you know I love y'all. And you know this is urban philosophy where we are always just clear, man, straight to the point. We just direct on urban philosophy. So think about that. Though. How much sense does that really make? Should you really be thinking about being in a relationship if you 100% in the deficit? Financially, you have no money. You have no physical currency and you have no conceptual currency. You're 100% in the deficit. Mentally, you're all over the place, 100% confused. Emotionally, you're in shambles. Psychologically, you destabilize. Spiritually, you void. Should you be trying to be in a relationship in that state of being? Think about that. I, I think not. I think not. I think you should be trying to get yourself together in some sense. So you can say that, you know, when the ancestors moved me or when I moved the universe and I put the energy in motion to bring someone my way that I can partner with, I will bring these things to the table. I'm going to come loving myself. That's I'm going to come loving myself. I'm going to come already happy. You know, that's what it's about. So as I... Um, begin to bring this to a close I just want to highlight um, the top of the year the state of the black man and the black woman the state of the black child the state of the black family the state of the black relationship I wanted to highlight that I wanted to talk about that that's, that's important that's very important for us to understand that we got to get those pieces together. So this will be my solution. I believe I I, I, I believe I, I, um, I laid out a few solutions as I elucidated. But I want to say this. In terms of children, if you do not have children, do not put yourself in a situation that's going to have children and you have not had successive deep conversations to your mate about child rearing. If you haven't done that, don't be out here having unprotected sex. And if you feel like, well, I don't want to use protection and all that, then you need to know when she's ovulating. You need to know when that woman can get impregnated. If you, ain't, if, you, if you don't know when she can get impregnated and you don't want to use no protection, then you're being reckless. You're being reckless. I mean, what I mean by reckless is that you do not bring a child to a world if you're not prepared to rear that child correctly. Don't do that. You don't have a community. You don't have a child wearing philosophy. You want to just wing it from the hip. Don't do it. So my, my advice in that regard is this. If you don't have children, put a plan together. Now, I'm not saying that everything will go according to your plan. But if you're in a relationship with someone, you need you and that person, whether it's male or female, y'all need to begin immediately. If y'all are having sex, y'all need to be having conversations about child rearing. How are we going to rear these children or child? What's going to be the disciplinary process? You know, how how are we going to educate our child? Are we going to public schools, private school? Figure all that stuff out. Figure those things out. Are we going to buy them a bunch of toys or what? Have these conversations. 
so you can be prepared to set that child up for success. That's all I'm going to say about the child wearing piece. In terms of the family, have some type of family structure in place. Have an overall philosophy of where you want to go with your family. Meaning you and your children. Know what you want for you and your children. Have that worked out. Don't just family from the hip. Family with direction. So have some things worked out. Talk about those things with your mate. What do we want for this family? What do we want for these children? Is there a family legacy we're trying to leave behind? If so, how are we going to get there? What is it going to look like? Have those conversations. And lastly, do not jump in a relationship if you are 100% in a deficit. Don't do it. Have some discipline. Control yourself. When you go in a relationship, be prepared to be a partner. Go into it to be a partner. Go into that relationship because you feel like you can help to enhance and complete the other person and you feel that the other person can help to complete enhance you and you know that because you have did what? You have interviewed that person through a succession of questions before you got so wrapped up into that person. Make your decisions to be with that person based on your interviewing of that person. Ask that person questions about who he or she is. What is your philosophy? What do you believe in? Do you believe in homosexuality? Do, uh, do, uh, are, are you into, you see what I'm saying, threesomes and all this? Ask those questions. You know, do you believe in biracial relationships and all this other stuff that people got going on? Ask those questions. Find out before you get all tied up. Ask the questions. So as, as usual, my task with the podcast is to impart a little bit of knowledge and to instigate a little bit of thought. Hopefully, I was successful. As we begin to conclude this episode, I leave you with the mighty words of Bifahodie Hotel. Be sure to tune in to our next episode of Urban Philosophy. But we are always clear and direct.